and welcome to The Workings of a Spiritual Mind. You're listening to Holly, the voice behind the podcast. Now, before we get cracking on, I just want to apologise because I feel like it's been a minute since the last episode, which was Halloween. That was recorded and released probably a week before Halloween. And it's now like the 9th of December. So I apologise there's been a, a length of time between the two episodes. Unfortunately, I had a few technical issues. So when I recorded the Halloween episode, the laptop was a little bit slow. And it took me two or three attempts to actually switch it on and for it to start working. And those two or three attempts turned into eight or nine. That turned into like 15 or 16. Eventually, I kid you not, I pressed that power button 32 times. I literally counted it. And it just wouldn't turn on anymore. It completely died. Now, someone told me that laptops only last for about five years. I don't know how true that is, but this was just shy of five years old. And I'd had had problems with it in the past. So I figured I can try and get it fixed. Or seeing as we were in November at that point, I could just wait for the Black Friday sales and buy a new one. So that's what I did. I bought a new laptop and had the software reinstalled, all the business stuff added back on. I'm even using a new microphone today. So if this sounds a bit different, Feel free to chuck some feedback my way. I'm quite open to that because then I know that it doesn't sound quite right. Even though I listened back to the episodes, so I can do some editing. It may well sound very different to when you're listening to it. So that's what I've done. And you know what? It's incredible how much we heavily rely on technology. Like our mobile phones, when that stops working, we're lost. Like our PCs, our laptops, our iPods, iPads, when something stops working, we realise how lost we are and how much we need it. So that's where we are today. Got my new laptop, set it up, perfect. And then I got sick. I got a throat and a chest infection that I still have a little bit off today, it, to the point where I lost my voice. And then I had one of those really irritating coughs. You know that you just can't stop yourself when you talk. Even when you bloody breathe, like you cough, terrible. I thought I can't record a podcast episode without a, a laptop and be sounding quite well. So here we are today. We're back with a new episode. We're back with a bang. So I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for your patience whilst I got better and sorted out my technology. So without further ado, what are we talking about today? We are talking about animal spirit guides and animal spirit totems, what they are and how they can appear to us. Now, if you've listened to episode three, which was spirit guides and gatekeepers, we briefly touched upon what an animal spirit guide is. So we know that it is a form of guide that appears to us as an animal. It is very intellectual and it will interact with us to get the messages and guidance across, but it's a very different way as to how a human spirit guide would. Now, animal spirit guides tend to have a very clear overall symbolic meaning and it can assist with us during our spiritual journey, emotional journey, our mentality, anything that it needs to get across, it can help us with. But we really need to pay attention to how that animal is appearing to us as to what it means. So the spirit animals aren't assigned to us like a spirit guide. They will come and go as and when we need them. And you might find yourself even drawn to a specific animal. So when you feel that happening, it's kind of a good time to explore what that animal represents. And there's so many different ways to interpret what an animal means and what it's trying to communicate with us. And that's why it's really important to look into the message in the context of how they are appearing to us. And using your intuition is a good way to do that. If you're not too sure, general starting point is to Google what the description of an animal means. But ultimately, 
trust your instincts, trust what you're feeling, what you're seeing and what you feel you're getting through via your intuition as to what that animal may mean. So what do I mean by that? So if you are seeing the same animal over and over again, pay attention because there is a message there, an important message it's trying to get through to you. So you may see this animal in dreams. You may dream of a pack of lions. You may then, a couple of weeks later, dream of one lion. So if the lion keeps appearing, then there's a message there behind that. You might see the same animal in meditations, but you might also see the same animal just going about your everyday business. Like you might be sitting down on a Sunday night watching a wildlife documentary about bears. And then a couple of weeks later, you're walking along the road and a bus goes past you. And they sometimes advertise on buses, don't they? Might be about a bear. And then a few weeks go by, you're flicking through a magazine and there's a story about a bear. That's significant. That bear is coming to you for a reason. But how it appears to us, how animals appear, what they're doing will have very, very different meanings. So, for example, and I'll give you an example of something that I've experienced. So, do you remember that film Free Willy? If you're not sure what this film is, by all means, Google it. It came out years ago. I was still in school when it came out. And it was about a killer whale that was held in captivity. And the whale formed a bond with a boy who then helped release it. I was obsessed with that film. I loved it. I even really fancied the boy who played the main character. I think his name was Jason James Richer or Richmond, something like that. To the point where I even wrote to the fan club. Yeah, I was that obsessed. Never heard back. So rude. But I love that film. And there's a couple of times in that film where the boy puts his hand in the water splashes it around a little bit and the whale kind of knows it's him through picking up the vibrations and the noise and the whale comes to him. So I used to dream that I was doing that myself. Like I would put my hand in the water, splash it around and the whale would come up gentle, forming a bond. I would touch it. Obviously this is way before my spiritual acceptance and understanding and knowledge of who I am today. Now, when I dream of killer whales, they are literally attacking me. Like I'm standing on like maybe a ledge or an iceberg or a perpex glass, one that you can see through. And I can see them swimming underneath. And the size actually frightens me. And they're trying to get me off this ledge. It's like they're trying to get me in the water. So you see there are very, very two different meanings there. And it also implies when you're seeing like the colour. Of an animal. So you seeing an orange and black tiger will have a very, very different meaning to if you're seeing a white tiger. So we really need to find out what it means. And like I say, they have a general overall meaning, but how they're appearing to us and what's going on in our lives is what we need to then understand. And it's really up to us to determine what the message is. So for example, one of my guides was a tiger. And the tiger appeared to me at the start of my mediumship journey when I first kind of accepted who I was. And a tiger represents strength and agility and confidence. And it came to me and stayed with me for a good couple of years because I needed to believe in myself. I needed the confidence to open up and trust in my abilities. And I needed the strength to start and go through my own healing journey I needed that determination to focus on who I wanted to be and get through those challenging times. Now, if you're not too sure what the animal means, and like I mentioned before, maybe Google it as a good starting point. 
You could also do some meditations to sit on it. You could also look into the interpretation of dreams. You can also work with a, a shaman who will have a good in-depth knowledge of animals because a lot of animal spirit guides, it's said that they originate from ancient shamanic traditions. Now, if you're not too sure what shamanic traditions are, we will do a podcast separate to this about that because even though I've heard of shamanic traditions on my spiritual journey, I will admit I don't know too much about it. So it'd be interesting for us to look into. But animal spirit guys, they are also known as like power animals, which again comes from shamanism. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Now by drawing upon our power animal or our animal guide can also help to connect us to our inner and higher self. And again it comes down to our intuition that leads to connecting to kind of like an ancient wisdom. So this is what I'm talking about with like shamanic traditions. Power animals and animal guides can sometimes be mistaken for the idea of a totem, which we'll look into in a second. But don't worry too much if you're not too sure what the shamanic traditions are, because we'll look into that separately. So aside from the spiritual meaning of animals, they can also symbolise a part of ourselves. So for example, our personality, the animal might be a representation of a part of you. For example, you may resonate with a wolf. A wolf is thought of as a solitary animal with a high tuition that loves walking through a forest. You yourself may feel comfortable with your own energy and taking walks out of nature. It also represents specific characteristics or moods. So for example, if you're at a time in your life where you feel like you need to start over, you need to have like a bit of a new beginning. You may be drawn to a snake. A snake sheds its skin as it enters its different cycles of its life. You may be drawn to a butterfly as it transforms from one animal to another. You're going from something small and withdrawn to something bright and beautiful. Animals can also represent skills and traits, some that we may already have or are yet to develop. For example, a duck is thought to symbolise the ability to access different realms since it's an animal of the water, land and sky. So a duck may appear to you when you're trying to develop your spiritual access to different spiritual realms. Now, once you've identified the animal that is coming through to you and you've done a bit of research on what it means, or you've used your intuition, or you've sat with it on meditations, once you've kind of gained the clarity and understood and accepted the message, that animal guide may well disappear as their mission is complete. Now, that's not to say they won't ever appear again. You might see the same animal at different parts in your life, but it really depends on what's happening in your life, what kind of journey you're going on, and to what animal you're really going to see. So take note of what you're seeing. Doesn't matter how you're seeing it, take note. Do a bit of research, trust your intuition and then accept and understand the message that's coming through. So let's move on to totems. So it's thought a totem animal is with you for life in both the physical and spiritual realms, one that you can call upon for guidance, and it tends to act as the main guardian throughout your life. So you can see there where the difference is between an animal guide and an animal totem. An animal guide will come and go as and when it's needed, but an animal totem is said to be with us for life. And totems really come from very ancient tribal cultures. So for example, in some cultures, a totem may actually symbolise a group of people, such as a clan, a family or a tribe. There's a Native American tribe that comprise of 18 clans that were named after a raven, a wolf, 
and a bear totem. And that totem not only identifies the clan, but is also used as a source of strength and guidance to call upon. So totem animals can also be seen as power animals. So power animals is just kind of a, a different terminology for guides and totems. Now, if you feel drawn to a specific animal, like I mentioned with animal guides, but if you feel like you're drawn to it with no explanation, you're not too sure why, and you feel like it's a real deep, special connection, it may well be that this animal is your totem and not a guide. So totems, we don't actually choose, they choose us. It's like an instinctual connection. Now, if you think of totems, what really comes to mind? And you think of Native American culture. And they have totems and they use totems that symbolizes the animals and the people and the clans. But we really, if we look into it deeply, totems can be connected to a lot of different cultures on every continent throughout history. So even though they are almost like a, a power animal is in the way like a guide is, protecting, there's a message there, there's guidance there. It's very different. It's very different to an animal guide. It's more cultural, historically based. There's not always going to be a specific general meaning. It's one that's going to guard and protect you throughout your life. If you think of a totem pole, a totem pole is like a monument that depicts a collection of animals, but it can also include plants. It can include other natural objects, sometimes people or different spiritual beings that have a symbolic meaning to the people associated with it. And a totem pole tells quite a historic event as well as representing the tribe. Now, different cultures have their own totems and meanings from Native American to Aboriginal to Europe and Asia. So we're kind of going now into more of a cultural side of a totem rather than what an animal spirit guide is. And this is where we can really differentiate what the two are. So not all cultures include the same animal totems because certain animals weren't always native to their lands. So, for example, European cultures didn't always encounter lions. However, some animals with a similar characteristic were used instead before modern developments allowed us to start seeing these animals across the world. So, for example, a horse or a bull was sometimes considered equivalent to what the lion would represent in cultures where lions were present. So if we just go through like Native American, Aboriginal, it's really quite interesting to see how each represents totems and their interpretations of it. So, for example, Native American. Now, an example of a spiritual being, something that I mentioned before, that you tend to find is quite common on a totem, is something called the Thunderbird, which is usually seen right at the top of a pole. Now, a Thunderbird is like a mythological creature from beliefs within the region that it represents power and strength. It was believed that this controlled the upper world, while Panther or a horned serpent controlled the underworld. Now, totems are greatly respected, and in some cases, in touching one in its live form was forbidden. However, animal totems were not worshipped because animals were treated equally to humans with an equal place within nature. Now, in some Native American spiritual beliefs, it was said that each person is assigned nine animal spirits that guide them throughout their lives and afterlives. So again, with the spirit animal guides that come and go, these ones are assigned throughout their life. Out of that nine, one is generally the main totem animal. And they're kind of defined within different categories of guides aside from that main totem. So you might have messenger guides and shadow guides that come with temporary messengers. They might bring insight to an individual and then they may leave. Now, just because they left doesn't mean they're not there because 
as we've heard, totems are assigned to us and stay with us throughout our life. Now, shadow guides were a form of totem that were given this name due to their use of fear to bring the message into the individual's awareness. There's also something called journey animals that are thought to be in our lives for longer periods, sometimes years, to help with more significant transitions, challenges and decisions. The Native American shamans used totem animals for protection during rituals in which it was said they experienced altered states of consciousness. So this is then going back to the shamanic traditions. So again, don't worry too much about that if you're not too sure of it, because we'll look into that in another podcast. So then if we go to the other side of the world and look at Aboriginal culture. Now, Aboriginal spirituality is very much based on the principle that all things in nature are alive and part of a greater reality. So totems, similar to Native American culture, are also used as family emblems. Now, individuals wear pendants carved out of wood or shell to represent their totem. Now, the stingray is an Aboriginal totem that's quite uncommon in other cultures where this creature is unfamiliar. So again, we're going back to the concept of certain cultures only had access to certain animals until modernisation allowed them to see it. Other common totems in this region are pelicans, crocodiles, sharks and fish. Now totems have very many uses in Aboriginal culture. So native doctors sometimes had an assistant totem that guided them with their practice. Each of the sexes were also given a totem. So in some areas it was assigned the form of two different types of bird, one for each sex, male and female. And these totems were also used as a way to communicate a marriage proposal. The male calls the female by the female's totem's name and asks what the totem eats. And then if the woman answers, it's considered an acceptance of the proposal. Now, totems are also used in dreams and rituals, with an individual having a specific totem designated for those rituals. But other types of the totems include conception, birth and local totems. And it's quite intricately linked to the Aboriginal concept of dream time. So the time before time or the time of creation, where they believe their ancestors walked the lands, naming all of the natural phenomena. So let's move on to European culture. So early Celts practice shamanism. So again, we're going back to that. And Celtic shamans relied on total animals to guide them through their elements and into the other world. So in consciousness, the shaman took on the features and, and abilities of the totem animals to perceive beyond human perception to a consciousness where they could be aware of the world differently, gaining different insights. And in some Celtic families, the nature of these animals were within the family of a clan name. For example, there was a clan called uh, the bull folk or the cat folk. Now, totems can also be found in North mythology and ancient German cultures. So, for example, German shamanic military societies, they had a totem associated with them, which was usually a wolf or a bear to draw strength from. And as part of their initiation into these societies, individuals had to spend time living in the wild in the manner of a wolf. And by spending time living like a bear or a wolf, the warrior came to identify with their totem and almost infused with their energy. And after their time in the wilderness, rituals were then carried out where the person, i.e. the warrior, would wear a costume made of the skin of their totem animal. And mythology from the region then mentions the shape-shifting of warriors into these creatures. And then finally, if we look at Asian culture, 
Now, common totems, say like in China, are the dragon, the tiger, the phoenix and the turtle. So again, the totems were used for signifying membership to a family or a clan. Now, the emperor of China, believed to be an avatar of the dragon in the physical world, he then believed and passed on his beliefs that his family was descended from their totem animals. So people really then started to connect and bond with their totem animal. And you can find a lot of totems in like Chinese architecture and their artwork. Now, totem poles can also be found in places like Mongolia, in Siberia, and also other places in Russia. But unlike other cultures, Siberian tribes hunted animals, not only out of necessity, but sometimes for sport. In Siberian spirituality, it was believed that for each animal species, there was like a master spirit. So before a hunt, offerings of fire and incense were given to these animal spirits. But then if they were starting to also hunt out of necessity rather than the sport, the people started apologising for having to hunt and the animals were then killed almost quickly and humanely as possible. So if you think of like all those different cultures, you can see where the similarities are but they're very, very differently used. So if we just break this down, animal spirit guides we know come to us for a reason. They come in and out of our lives. But the totems are very much historically and culturally linked to the people, the land and the tribes. And that's really what's quite interesting to me to find the differences out between the guides and the totems. So I mentioned a few animals within those different cultures, and there are thousands, as we know, animals on the planet, and each one will have their own spiritual meaning, and again, depending on the context. But there are a few that pop up that are more commonly known and seen more often than not. And those are the wolf, an elephant, an owl, a bear, a lion, a deer, a snake, a butterfly, a fox, a tiger, an eagle, a cat, a dog, and a horse. So can you see where this is going to go? So what we're going to do every now and then, we're going to have a little look into these animals. And I'll probably start with a cat because I am like a cat person. I love cats. So we're going to look into what the animals mean, how different cultures symbolise them spirituality wise, and what they mean when they appear to you in dreams. And if we class them as a power animal and we call upon that animal, what can it give us in return? So that's kind of it for today. I hope you found that interesting. I have a Facebook page called Head and Heart Spiritual Teachings. I do put on there every now and then an animal spotlight, but I don't really like to put a whole load of wording on a post because then it looks like an essay and who's really going to look at that? So those spotlight on animals are pretty short and sweet on the page, which is why we're going to do some different episodes based on like specific animals. But yeah, if there's anything you're not too sure of, if you want to ask a question or you want to know more of, or if there's something you disagree with, by all means, feed it back. I'm very open and happy to receive any feedback, whether it's good, bad, or whether you're just interested in learning more. So for the next episode, which will probably be released after Christmas now, seeing as Christmas is swiftly approaching, we're going to do something very, very different. We're going to take a little bit of a twist. We're still keeping within that spirituality umbrella, but we're going to look into a true crime case and how the traumatic events have led to that location being haunted, allegedly haunted. And if it is haunted, why and who? So still keeping with under that umbrella, haunting, 
spirits of ghosts but we're taking a little bit of a different twist so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that episode so what i will say because we're coming up to christmas and you've got this far throughout the episode thank you so much for listening i appreciate all your patience waiting for the next episode have a wonderful christmas whatever you're doing eat drink and be merry whatever you're deciding to do that day i hope you have a fantastic one so stay safe look after each other and i'll catch you on the next episode